This is Pathway to Recovery, an SA Lifeline Foundation podcast featuring host Tara McCausland, who is the SA Lifeline Executive Director, and Justin B., a sex addict living in long-term recovery. We have conversations with experts and individuals who understand the pathway to healing from sexual addiction and betrayal trauma because we believe that recovering individuals leads to the healing of families. Welcome to the Pathway to Recovery podcast. I am your host, Tara McCausland, and thanks, Justin, for being here with me. Thank you, Tara. I'm happy to be here. Today, we have, I think, what will be a helpful Q&A. As an aspect of quality education, we wanted to go over some really critical definitions of words that are uh, fundamental, really, to recovery work. We will be discussing things like sobriety and sobriety definition specific to SA Lifeline and SAL 12-step. We'll also be going over, again, key vocabulary, such as what is a trigger? What is a slip? What's the difference between a slip and a lapse and a relapse? I'm excited to get into this. Absolutely. We've got our work cut out for us. This is probably a lot for one Q&A, but we're going to give it our best shot. So as I had suggested, we've been talking this month about quality education and Having the right vocabulary and the ability to communicate, especially with the people closest to us, like our spouse, key words that are associated with recovery so that we're speaking the same language is really, really important <laughs> because otherwise there's confusion, there's frustration, there may be unspoken expectations because people are walking around with different definitions of words. And that's not helpful. And so we we feel like having a similar vocabulary and language around specific terms is really critical and an important part of some of the quality education that we try to provide here at SA Lifeline Foundation. So we'll actually be looking at two different publications that we have, and, and I'll tell you more about where we're finding these. The first is, it's called Understanding Pornography, Addiction, and Betrayal Trauma. You can find this. It's a digital resource as well as a print resource that you can purchase, as well as we'll be looking at our sobriety definition in our SAL book. So to start, you're going to go to a 12-step group and find a unique sobriety definition. Why do you think it's important to get clear on the sobriety definition and make sure that aligns with your values going in? Yeah, thank you for asking that, Tara. There's I have a couple of quick answers to that. One it's very important that the group have a, in my opinion, the group have a, a unified sobriety definition. Because if, you know, if I'm a member of the group and, and, and I've got another brother over here that sits across the room or across the Zoom window from me in the group, and I understand sobriety is one thing and that person understands sobriety is a completely different thing, it's not conducive to, to unity in the group, because if if somebody over there says, oh, it's okay if I masturbate as long as I don't look at porn, or if I only look at porn and don't masturbate, it's it's okay. I'm still sober that way. That just causes all sorts of confusion in the group and in the individual, torn within its, himself. So I find that it's super important to have that. And I love the SALs and SA Lifeline's sobriety de- definition is pretty specific in the verbiage of it. So that's that's my thoughts on that. Yeah. And so our sobriety definition really is our foundation, our baseline, right? What does abstinence from this behavior look like? 
because you will find very different definitions based on the the 12-step group you attend. And we will say that SAL 12-steps sobriety definition is a bit more robust than other groups that you might find a little bit more clear. And I think it honors the marriage relationship more than others. And so I wanted to read this definition and then let Justin comment on any aspect that you want to, Justin. So SAL 12 Steps sobriety definition is, and this is found on page 117 in our SAL book, sexual sobriety means having no form of sex with self, not pursuing actions of lust, such as using pornography, and having no form of sex with anyone other than spouse. Our goal is to live in recovery, to practice positive sobriety, and to choose to actively surrender lust in all its forms to the God of our understanding. So any anything that jumps out that you'd like to comment on, Justin? Yeah, a couple of the phrases and words within our SAL 12-step definition of sobriety that really hit me are no form of sex with self. You know, I can I can justify that all day long. Hey, I didn't, and I'm going to be fairly graphic. I didn't climax, so that didn't count, or you know, whatever. Those are those are some things that it talks about there. It kind of specifies things, or anyone else. No form of sex with anyone else other than the spouse. It's within a committed marriage relationship, and I, I love how it's pointed out that way. Now, that may seem a little bit prudish to some people. But I love that it recognizes that lust can happen anywhere. And and honestly, it can even happen in the marriage bed with the spouse. So there needs to be some interpretation, self-interpretation, and help from a sponsor or maybe a therapist to help figure out, okay, how can how can this look healthy? But those are some of the things that I, and I also love that it identifies pornography specifically because other groups don't use the word in their sobriety definitions. That really clarifies things for me. Mm-hmm. And I like that you point out that that husband and wife need to get really clear within their relationship. Again, what does this really mean? What does this look like? So that this can be a strong baseline to to move forward from. If you don't know or if you disagree upon your definition of sobriety or abstinence in your marriage relationship, you're really, I mean, recovery work is already an uphill climb, but you're going to be butting heads if you cannot agree upon what abstinence looks like. Absolutely. And I think I think we're going to address this in a future episode, some healthy sexuality within marriage. But yeah, we'll yeah. talk a lot, a lot about that in the, in the future, I'm sure. Yeah. And so using the sobriety definition kind of as a jumping point, again, as a baseline to measure by, some of these key definitions that we wanted to go over were, again, trigger, and what's the difference between also a slip, a lapse, and a relapse? Specifically, the slip, lapse, and relapse, those can really, if there is any muddiness around what those definitions are, or what those words mean, there's a lot of heartache associated with miscommunication or different expectations around that. So on page 153 from our Understanding Pornography, Addiction, and Betrayal Trauma Manual, we have definitions of words and terms relating to sexual addiction. So that's where this is coming from. Um, But this first one that I wanted to read was, we often talk in recovery about triggers. What is a trigger? Because sometimes it might be overused. (laughs) So let's, let's get clear on that. So a trigger is 
according to Essay Lifeline, an event, thought, image, dream, environment, sounds, or a host of other things which, when encountered, may prompt addict behavior and or acting out behavior. And I want to also mention that a trigger, also that's that's a word that the betrayed might use, and a trigger for a betrayed individual might be an event, thought, or image dream that makes the trauma bubble up, so to speak. So any thoughts about trigger? Any commentary about that, Justin? Yeah, th- this word is one that, yes, triggers are a real thing. But one thing that I've come to realize in my life is that life is a trigger. I can be anywhere, anytime, any doing anything. I can be in the holiest of holy places or the deepest, darkest place, and a trigger can happen. It's just how I respond to it. It's that that's what recovery is about, is learning how to respond healthily to a trigger. Just because a trigger happens does not mean I'm a bad person, that my mind was in a bad place. It a trigger happens no matter how solid I am in recovery. It's still going to happen. I'm going to have a trigger. And that's something that's really important to recognize. Whether I'm an addict in recovery, whether I'm a spouse in recovery from betrayal trauma, a trigger is going to happen whether I'm in a good place or not. I love that because I think sometimes we want to believe that we can have a trigger-free life or a trigger-free environment. And you're absolutely right. We can be triggered by so many different things. And so, and I often hear from women like, oh, I was in a meeting and that was triggering to me, like the language in the book or whatever. And and we want to be sympathetic and empathetic to the reality that sometimes language is triggering to the betrayed or for the addicted, you know, there are certain environments that are really challenging. And we we know best what particular environments are very triggering and to avoid those, but we cannot whitewash our world and have it trigger-free. And so we have to then be able to, in recovery, recognize, okay, what now? And what are my tools so that I can get back into a place of serenity? Absolutely. Yeah. We won't say any more about that just for the sake of time. But let's move to the next word we wanted to define, which is slip. Do you want to read the definition of that? Thank you, Tara. I'm happy to read that. Slip. And this is from that same page that was referenced earlier. Accidental exposure to a triggering event, which is then acted on by choosing to pursue addict behavior and or acting out behavior or trauma behavior. Then acknowledging the behavior to one's sponsor within a predetermined window of time. The sooner the acknowledgement happens to the actual behavior, the better, but no more than 24 hours. Yeah, so I'll, I'll jump in here and talk a little bit about this. I love how we just go right up here. Accidental exposure to a triggering event, which actually means life. <laughs> life happens. Now, just because I have an accidental exposure, exposure to a tr- uh, triggering event does not mean that I've slipped. The next phrase is, then I act on it by choosing to pursue some addictive behavior. Now, I'm not pursuing it to the the boundaries or the definition of of sobriety that we've just talked about. I'm taking a second look. I'm letting my thoughts linger on what I saw. I'm not turning away and walking away immediately. I'm drinking it in for just a minute. And that's the definition of a slip for me. And then I need to reach out and talk to somebody. I I talk to my sponsor, I talk to my spouse, whatever the agreement is in my marriage. Hey, if you have a slip, you need to talk to me within 24 hours. I need to do that with my spouse 
because then it's just a, a slip. There's no need to reset my sobriety date for something like that. There's no need to do anything other than say, hey, this happened and be honest about it. I think the emphasis on the accidental exposure, no one was seeking it out. You're right. It's just living life, but then choosing to pursue the behavior to some degree. We acknowledge and we reach out. We connect with our sponsor, with our spouse, and we are transparent and honest, right? So that's going to move us into talking about a lapse, which I will go ahead and read here. So again, recognizing a slip is accidental exposure to a a triggering event. A lapse is willfully choosing to pursue addict behavior and or acting out behavior and acknowledging the behavior to one sponsor within a predetermined window of time. The sooner the acknowledgement happens to the actual behavior, the better, but no more than 24 hours. So for you, again, what's the difference there? Yeah, for me, the difference is an, an elapse can spring from a trigger. But, you know, if I, if let's say I'm on social media and I choose to take a couple of clicks and go down a path that I know is going to lead me somewhere and I choose to do that, want to add to this, I act out. I watch pornography. I masturbate. I go outside of the bonds of marriage and whatever th- boundary that has been set up by me, my sponsor, my spouse, whatever, that is, this is a no-go. I choose to go across that line. But then I'm honest about it and I say, I did this and I'm honest. Now, my understanding is, yes, my date of sobriety needs to reset then. But if I get right back up on the on the horse and I continue moving in recovery and that's a one-time thing, it doesn't happen regularly, whatever, I can I'm still considered in in a recovery mindset as long as I move forward. And that's that's my take on that and and the difference between a slip and and, a, and lapse. And you were saying beforehand something that I think is really critical. If we're lapsing every week, what's the problem? If I'm lapsing every week, no matter how quote unquote honest or verbally honest I'm being with my spouse, with my sponsor, whatever, I'm not being honest with myself or with my higher power because I'm not changing. And that's that's what recovery is all about is changing, becoming a new creature, a new person. And when I mess up, I move forward and I don't go back to that same behavior. But if I'm lapsing every week, every other week, or there's a pattern of once every you know 30 days or 60 days, I'm not living in recovery. Those are relapses, in other words, is what I'm saying, because there's not honesty to self and to God in that. Mm-hmm. Do you think then if if someone's lapsing weekly, every other week, or even monthly, might we suggest that they take a better look at their their bottom lines and their boundaries and see if they're being consistent with those? Or do you think that plays a role? Yeah, I I always do a dissection or I can't remember what the word is, a, a post-mortem <laughs> with, with sponsees and people that I talk to after they relapse. And, and I go work back from step 12 down to step one, where did you take your will back? Where did this go wrong? And and we we really dig into it. What happened? Why did you feel like you could take your will back and make that decision? And there's always a way to to figure out where that happened. Well, so finally, we've defined slip and lapse. And then the final one on our continuum is the, the full-on 
relapse. Would you like to read that definition, Justin? Willfully choosing to pursue addict behavior and or acting out behavior and then hiding, lying, or failing to honestly disclose the lapse to one sponsor within a predetermined window of time. And I can add in there one spouse within a predetermined window of time if your spouse and you have the agreement that you will share when there is a an issue. And my take on this is it's all about the honesty part. I mean, we've done uh, a few different episodes and conversations on rigorous honesty. If I'm not being rigorously honest in a in an acting out or in a pursuing lust situation, I'm not in a recovery mindset and that is a relapse which includes, you know, a resetting of sobriety date which includes whatever consequences may be laid out by a sponsor sponsee relationship or a spouse relationship maybe there've been boundaries set that if this happens choices need to be made. So yeah, that's my take on that. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you to our listeners for being here. We really hope that this was helpful and we want to reiterate that quality education is just so critical on the pathway to recovery. If we don't have good education, we just we don't have a good foundation to work from. We hope to continue to produce quality education and we hope that you will use what we already have available. Again, you can find that at essaylifeline.org, the manual and the SAL book that we were reading from today. But thanks again for being here with us today. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for joining us. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss new episodes. And while you're at it, will you please leave us a five-star rating and review to help us spread the good news that healing from sexual addiction and betrayal trauma is possible. We invite individuals who are struggling to join our virtual or in-person trauma-sensitive 12-step meetings. Meeting times and locations can be found at sal12step.org. You can find quality education at salifeline.org. And we hope that you will follow us on Instagram and Facebook. SA Lifeline is a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we welcome donations. SA Lifeline, come heal with us.